0: Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Crossgate Church in Hot Springs, Arkansas. We invite you to visit us at crossgate.org. It is our hope that you will hear from God and draw closer to Him through this service. Probably the most easily recognizable weapon in the entire Star Wars universe. Initially intended to equip the Jedi Knights to do good and and protect the right, quickly became weapons also in the hands of of the evil ones. Uh, Probably no more so than a red lightsaber. You know, with a red lightsaber, a student killed his teacher. With a red lightsaber, a father cut off the hand of his son, and with a red lightsaber, a son killed his father. You know, in the Star Wars universe, there are other weapons though besides just lightsabers and blasters and other weaponry that they used in those movies. even in the Star Wars universe, a long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, they even used words as weapons. Watch the screen. Why you stuck-up, half-witted, scruffy-looking nerf-herder! I don't know where you get your delusions, laser brain. <laughs> shut him up or shut him down! Oh, the odds of surviving a direct assault on an Imperial star destroy. Shut up! <laughs> from now on, you do as I tell you, okay? Look, your worshipfulness, let's get one thing straight. I take orders from just one person me. So, one day you're still alive. Will somebody get this big walking carpet out of my way? No reward is worth this. All right, once again, things that you never thought you'd see at church. A uh, little clip from Star Wars. By the way, for those of you that know anything about Star Wars, are you surprised to know that those two got married? I mean, does that look like two married, a husband and a wife arguing together? Well, the bottom line is this, y'all. We are continuing our teaching series, and also, did anyone think I was going to come out dressed up like Darth Vader? For real? D- disappointed that I, you did not get Darth Vader this morning. What I wanted to say was, "Lightsy, I am your father, but I couldn't fit it in. Okay, I just couldn't fit it in. But here's the deal. We are continuing our teaching series called Word Wars. And the fact is that we, just like they had Star Wars, oftentimes we find ourselves fighting the Word Wars. Word Wars between husbands and wives, Word Wars between parents and children, between coworkers, between, God help us, Christians. The Word Wars. And while every single word we speak is emblematic of what's going on in our hearts, God, of course, has called us to speak life-giving words, not life-taking words. Uh, Today, we're going to talk about this topic, when words become weapons. What do we do when our words or someone else's words become weapons? Because that's exactly what the Bible says that our words can become, right? Proverbs 12, 18, this will be our launching pad for the day. Proverbs 12:18 says this, harsh words are like sword thrusts, or we could say lightsaber thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Harsh words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. And I'm just gonna tell you, brace yourself, I've got a lot of information to share with you this morning. Uh, because there's a lot that the Bible has to say about when words become weapons, specifically from the book of Proverbs. So keep up as best you can. I'm going to do my best David Platt impersonation this morning, but this is why we hang these messages on Vimeo and YouTube so you can go back and watch them again and kind of digest what was being said. Okay, so first of all, let's just talk about this. Let's talk about our verbal weapons our verbal weapons, we have quite an arsenal at our disposal when it comes to weaponized words. And and that's true in general, but we're going to get very specific and talk about some very specific ways that our words become weapons. First of all, how about our words that show contempt for God? We're we're not even going to talk yet about your words that you speak to other people. How about the words that show contempt for God? Now it's true that any word that you speak against another human being ultimately shows contempt for God because God has commanded us to love our neighbor. But even more specifically than that, I want you to think about some some of the words that we have that show contempt for God. How about when we misuse his name? Uh, Exodus 20, verse 7, look at this, straight from the Ten Commandments, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. You notice how careless and casual our culture is with with the name of God? Oh my God, Jesus. You ever notice that? Of course, if you were to talk to anybody about how they carelessly and flippantly use the name of God, they would probably say something like this I I don't mean anything by it. But that's exactly what makes it wrong, right? I, I don't mean anything by it. God's Word, the name of Jesus is holy and powerful. God says, don't use my name in vain. But how about profane words? When we utter profanities, you know, a profanity, just to help with the definition, a profanity over and against a vulgarity is anything that talks about something over which God alone has the say versus a vulgarity that has to do with bodily functions, bodily parts, and all the rest. We'll talk about that later. But sometimes we we utter profanities. I mean, listen, the, the realm of damnation belongs alone to God. The, the talk of hell belongs alone to God. And, and the more, listen, the more flippant people become about using the word hell and talking about hell, the more easy it is for them to dismiss the idea that there is a hell or that anyone who does not have Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord is going there. It's so easy to dismiss that when we so flippantly talk about hell or 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 this being damned or that being damned there's profanities and when we flippantly utter profanities we show our verbal contempt for god but yes most of the words that we speak are lateral words that that affect other people right words that we speak to someone's face okay how about this words spoken to a person's face can, can easily become verbal weapons hateful words Th- think about some hateful words Jesus talked about this by the way Matthew 5 look at this hateful words Jesus said you have heard that it was said to those of old you shall not murder and whoever murders will be liable to judgment but i say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment and whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council and whoever says you fool will be liable To the fire of hell. I loved how uh, Johnny and Leslin Parker, the couple that came and led our marriage conference a few weekends ago, put it. They said, Sometimes we get in the act of tongue foo. You ever heard that before? I mean, just, you ever given somebody a verbal karate chop? Yeah, just chop to the neck. It's exactly what we're doing when we share hateful words. And I might even say that sometimes what I call expensive humor becomes a verbal weapon. You say, what do you mean by expensive humor? Humor at someone else's expense, especially in a public setting, right? Have you ever told a joke or, or you've reached for something humorous and said it at someone else's expense, especially in a public setting? I will tell you as a preacher, as a pastor, I have to be on guard against this every single day of my life because, listen, I like to hear laughter in God's house, amen? It's okay to laugh and have a good time in the house of the Lord, okay? But sometimes, and especially, every preacher will tell you, boy, you don't want to go there, but sometimes preachers can't help themselves. They will say something publicly, humorously, at their family's expense, their wives, their children. I'm telling you, I, I have to be on guard against this and listen, some of you guys, maybe some of you ladies, you've been in a social setting uh, with, with neighbors or, or maybe it's a, a work-related party or something. You're in a, a social setting and maybe the husband says something uh, at humorous at his wife's expense. Right? There, it's a, it becomes a weapon. Something that we meant to, to, to produce some, some humor becomes a weapon. Right? Hateful words. How about this? Lying lying the bible says a lot about lying look at this in, in the book again i'm going to give you several scriptures look at what proverbs 6 says this is kind of god's hit list check this out there are six things that the lord hates seven that are an abomination to him haughty eyes a lying tongue and hands that shed innocent blood a heart that devises wicked plans feet that makes haste to run to evil a false witness so now there's twice there's mentions of lying that breeze out lies and one who sows discord among Brothers, God hates lying. When, when we misrepresent the truth, look at this from Proverbs again. Proverbs twelve twenty-two: lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. You can't say it any plainer than that. But why? I'll tell you why. Look at this. Proverbs twenty-six twenty-eight: a lying tongue hates its victims. If you don't even love someone enough to tell them the truth, you're hating them. God says our lies become weapons. But here's another one you might not anticipate. How about flattery? Did you know that flattery is also a form of verbal weaponization? And by the way, let me give you a definition. Okay, flattery is basically this: it's when you say something to someone's face that you that you would not say about them behind their back. Right? Oh man, I just you're you're the greatest ever. Man, he couldn't fight his way out of a wet paper bag, right? I mean, flattery, you're saying something to someone's face that you would not say behind their back. The opposite is gossip. Gossip is when you say something behind someone's back that you would not say to their face. And flattery, again, you're not telling the truth. You're certainly not being verbally consistent. Look at, look at what the Bible says, of Proverbs. Proverbs 26, 28, again, a flattering mouth works ruin. Here's another one from Proverbs. Proverbs 29, 5, a man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet. Flattery can be a verbal weapon, and and most of us don't even realize that we are doing it. And here's one other category, kind of broadly, look at this. Perverted language, vulgarities, and crude joking. Ephesians chapter 4. God has a lot to say about when words become weapons. Watch the way you talk. Let nothing foul or dirty come out of your mouth. Ephesians 4:29, then Ephesians 5, there should not be even a hint of sexual sin among you. Don't do anything impure. There must not be any bad language or foolish talk or dirty jokes. They are out of place. Here's something you got to understand, friends. There is a connection between what we say and how we live our lives. You show me a person who has coarse language and I'll show you a person who has a coarse heart and a coarse lifestyle. In other words, if you're using someone else's ears as garbage cans, you have made them an accomplice to your sin. And can I just give you a word of encouragement, if not just a, a flat-out word of admonition and challenge, Okay. As, as followers of Jesus Christ, I want to invite you to turn the volume up on your discernment of what you choose for your, for your entertainment, for you and your family, in terms of what you listen to and, and, and what you watch. Uh, there, there is, so, I mean, listen, I don't have to explain this. You guys have been to the movies, you guys have turned your TV on, you guys have listened to the radio. There is so much profanity. So much vulgarity in movies and all the rest of the day, we have absolutely gone numb to it. Right? But I will tell you, if you choose that repeatedly for your form of entertainment, and I mean the stuff that just, it's like a broken sewer pipe in your face, in the movies, television, music, right? If, if you repeatedly choose that, it will have a coarsening effect on you or maybe your children. I I will tell you, one of the things that has helped us out tremendously as a family is is Focus on the Family's got a website, PluggedIn.com. Go to that. They review every single movie that comes out, and they will give you a list of the language, the sexuality, all of the stuff that's in that movie. And there have been a number of times when we have gone and looked at a review for a movie in advance, a movie that maybe we really wanted to see, and we said, you know what? We don't need it. We don't want our ears and eyes assaulted with that kind of language. Guard your heart. There's something in the Bible very very specific about guarding your heart. And, and I would tell you, sometimes I'm, I'm shocked at what Christian people will allow themselves to be subjected to in the name of entertainment. You say, well, I mean, I, I already hear the stuff at, at work all the time, and my kids hear it at school all the time. What, 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 what's the big deal about just watching a movie or listening to music with the exact same language? I will tell you, and listen, I haven't always been a preacher, y'all, okay? Four years in the Marines, I heard more swearing than, than one lifetime could handle, okay? But the fact is there's a big difference between being placed in a situation where coworkers are talking like this constantly and, and where you're choosing it in, intentionally and deliberately to be entertained by it. All right, so when we think about words that are spoken, realize that even the words that that we receive have an effect on who we are. Now, those are the words that we speak to other people to their face, but what about some of the hardest words of them all? The words that we talk about others behind their back. Words spoken behind a person's back, and public enemy number one, you know it as well as I do, is gossip, right? Is gossip. The Bible has a lot to say about gossip. Look at this in Proverbs 18. The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to the inmost parts. Now remember, our definition. definition of gossip is that you're saying things behind their back that you would not say to their face. And normally the things you're saying behind their back, you're talking trash about people, you're, you're, you're putting people down, you talking about how, how less than they are than you. All of these things. Gossip. Again, what does the Bible say? Look at this again from Proverbs 17, 4. Wrongdoers eagerly listen to gossip. If you allow a gossip to use your ears for garbage cans, now you're an accomplice to their sin. Here's another one from Proverbs. Proverbs 16, 28. A gossip separates close friends. Some of you in this room right now can think of someone with whom you used to have a close friendship maybe a very deep and meaningful close friendship, but either because you gossiped or they gossiped or somebody else out there gossiped, you no longer are friends with that person. Gossip divides people. It's one of the reasons why God hates gossip. By the way, you know one of the best ways just to absolutely cut it off at the knees? If if you have someone talking to you about someone else Once they get done talking, you say, let's pray for that person right now, you and me. Let's pray for that person right now. Or maybe that's the litmus test for whether you talk about someone else who's not there, right? Am I talking about this person in such a way that, that I could immediately say, let's stop right now and pray for that person. I will tell you, if you make it a habit of that, all the gossips in your life will depart because they don't want to be around you. Because they didn't come to you to have a prayer meeting. They came to you to dump their trash in your ears. So one of the best ways to kill gossip right where it's at is to simply say, we need to really pray for that person. Okay. Now, I got it. We're all church folk here. Okay. So there's a fine line between gossip and prayer requests. Amen? There's a big line between gossip and prayer requests. And that's why I'm telling you, if you're going to talk about someone, Talk about them in such a way where you know they need prayer, and you could could honestly say, let's pray for that person. I'm telling you, it'll clean up a lot of what's going on in a lot of our lives. The Bible says this. Look at this. Proverbs 26, verse 20. Fire goes out without wood, and quarrels disappear when gossip stops. It's true. Quarrels disappear, divisions in relationships, divisions in churches, divisions in organizations go out when gossip stops. So gossip is public enemy number one in terms of words we speak behind someone's back, but I will tell you there's others that we do as well. How about just flat-out slander? That, that's where you are basically making up fabrications, telling lies about people behind their back, perhaps in a way that is very detrimental to their family or maybe even to their livelihood. Again, the Bible has a lot to say about this. Look at this, Exodus 20. Again, this is one of the Ten Commandments you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor that's it God said it and that settles it Exodus 20 but here's some more look at this Proverbs 10 18 whoever slanders his neighbor is a fool in Psalm 101 verse 5 whoever slanders their neighbor in secret I will destroy I will destroy that's God talking not Phil Kramer Whoever slanders their neighbor, God will destroy. That's some hard language, and that's, that's a promise, not a threat. Now, here's one other, divisive talk. Okay, divisive talk. That's where you are behind the scenes, sowing, verbally sowing seeds of discord somehow. Okay, God is not cool with that. Whether you're sowing discord among friends, among people, God help you if you are sowing discord in your local church. I will. T- I, this is not Phil. Cra- I'm telling you, God will not hold you blameless if you are sowing discord in a local church. You say, Pastor Phil, are there a bunch of people sowing discord in our church? Not to my knowledge. I'm just putting it out there. Okay, I'm just putting it out there. Look at what the Bible says. Proverbs sixteen twenty-eight. A troublemaker plants seeds. Of division. now we got a lot of weapons in our arsenal do we not a lot of weapons but here's here, remember what our our primary verse said proverbs twelve eighteen. harsh words are like a sword thrust but the tongue of the wise brings healing let's talk about how we respond when harsh words have been spoken because it's our response that really makes the difference right i mean i, I want to remind you what pastor chuck swindoll has often said about our healing response, Pastor Chuck Swindoll said life is 10% what happens and 90% how we respond to it. Harsh words are uttered, we respond graciously, humbly, biblically, and and that will bring healing. Okay, so what about when the, first of all, let's just address our own issue here. What, What if the harsh words are our own words? Responding graciously to our words, because sometimes we're the culprits, right? I mean, whether we intend to or whether we don't intend, sometimes our words can hurt other people. What are we going to do about that? Well, if you're here with a pulse, just put your finger on your wrist and check and see if you have a pulse, most likely you do, and if you're a person where words come out of your mouth at all on any given day, which pretty much applies to everyone, here's what you need to do. You need to keep a little three-word phrase in your hip pocket and just have it ready at any time, and that three-word phrase is, I am sorry. Some people have the hardest time in the world to say, I am sorry. And I'm not talking about just a generic, hey, man, if, if, if you were offended by my words, or... You know if 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 you received my words in a negative way no no just say I I'm so sorry that I said that I want to apologize would you would you forgive me By the way when it comes to words uh, an apology should be just as public as the sin right just as pu- sometimes we have we have this this little verbal altercation in, in private, just us and another person. Okay, go to that person and apologize. But if, if there's an outburst of, if, if there's words that came out of your mouth in a public setting, your apology should be just as public as the sin. And now here's one other thing. If you're going to apologize, Pastor Josh King of Second Baptist and Conway said this recently. I love it. Look at this. An apology without change is just manipulation. Okay, so if you have no intention to change your ways and you go and apologize to someone, all you're doing is you're trying to manipulate them. So realize that you've got to put your money where your mouth is when it comes to apologies and when it comes to humbly and healingly responding to your own words. But now, what about their words, right? Because, Pastor, I mean, have you heard what some people are saying out there? Responding graciously to their words. Now this, listen, friends, This is where it is so critical that we ask the question, what does the Bible say? Because when someone gets amped up and ramped up in your face, it's so easy to listen to the voice of our emotion, to the voice of our coworkers. Don't you let her get away with that. The the, the voices of other people. But what have I often told you, church? Never trust a voice over a verse. And so when it's it's easy to get emotionally ramped up and respond out of emotions, that's when we've got to ask, what does the Bible say? Okay, what does the Bible say? So words to our face. If someone gives you a verbal bomb to the face, a flamethrower to the face, what are you going to do? Well, what does the Bible say? We shared this with you last week, Proverbs 15, 1. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. As hard as it is, a gentle answer turns away wrath. Again, Jesus, let's just take our cues from Jesus. He kind of knows what he's doing. Matthew 5, Jesus said, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. First Peter, I shared this with you last week, talking about Jesus. Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Words to the face. You know, is there going to need to be some follow-up? Absolutely, but just in the moment, in the moment, I would say 99% of the time, there's no reason why we have to come back and respond with like and equal verbal force. Okay, but the, again, the hardest words typically are the ones that people say behind our backs. So, how, how are we going to respond to words behind our backs? Again, what does what, what the Bible? It's not what Phil Kramer says, or what your emotions say, or what your coworkers. What does the Bible say? Okay, what does the Bible say? Well, there's what we find in the Bible is there are escalated levels of response when people are talking trash about you behind your back. okay, The first level is this, is simply ignore it. Just, just ignore it. Ignore the words. Ignore the person. Don't give them the pleasure of, of speaking back into that. You say, where's a verse for that in the Bible? Here you go. Look at this, Proverbs nineteen eleven: A person's wisdom yields patience, It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. I found this very ironic that this is Proverbs 19.11 for all you gun enthusiasts out there because the 19.11 is the most famous pistol ever made, and yet it says a person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. Now let me me dive back into the Old Testament. I'm going to give you a quick picture of what it looks like to ignore the person and just take it to the Lord. This is from the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah was the governor at the time of of Jerusalem. He was going back to build the walls, and he had a lot of opposition. Now listen to this. Now when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem, this was kind of the axis of evil that was opposing uh, Nehemiah's work, the Arab and the rest of our enemies heard that I had built the wall. They sent to me saying, it is reported among the nations that you and the Jews intend to rebel. So they're saying, man, everybody's talking about you, Nehemiah. They're they're fabricating all this stuff. It's not true. That is why you are building the wall. And according to these reports, you wish to become their king. Again, false claim. And you have also set up prophets to proclaim concerning you in Jerusalem there is a king in Jerusalem. Again, flat out slander. Now, this is Nehemiah praying. He, he doesn't turn it back onto Tobiah and Sandballad and, and, and Geshem. He just takes it to the Lord. Remember Tobiah and Sandballad, oh my God, according to these things that they have done. Somebody once said a bulldog can whip a skunk, but it's not worth it. Did you know that? Just because you can go back and fight doesn't mean it's going to be a blessing to you, right? Think about Jesus. if if you were to look at the gospels there were many times when jesus critics came after him and what did he do he didn't even give them the time of day he said nothing why well first of all because he knew that god was in control and second of all he knew that god would ultimately take care of them he just turned them over to god isn't that what Romans says in many cases right romans 12 verse 19 says this beloved never avenge yourselves but leave it to the wrath of god For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. So the first level of response is simply to ignore. You say, but Pastor Phil, does the Bible ever say that we're supposed to respond and and, and to confront? Absolutely. There are times to ignore and there are times to confront. Again, look at the Bible. Sometimes it's time to confront them. Book of Proverbs 22.10, drive out a scoffer and strife will go out, and quarreling and abuse will cease. Sometimes you have to confront to the point of even driving someone away. There's a place for that in the Bible. Even Jesus said so. Matthew chapter 18, look at this. I mean, Let's just talk about internal church relations at this point. If your brother sins against you, meaning they're talking trash against you or it's verbal sin or whatever, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone, just, just mano y mano. If he listens to you, you have gained, if he receives it, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. So there, there is, a, there is a, a system for confronting issues and verbal sin in the church. Okay? It's a tremendous and healthy system. It's found in Matthew chapter 18, But let's face it, there are times when you and I need to have a hard conversation with someone else and confront them about a sin that they are committing, especially if it's against you, right? I, I love this book. I would recommend it to you by Henry Cloud and John Townsend, How to Have That Difficult Conversation. And there's several resources like this out there, Crucial Conversations and others. But listen to this, all of us need to be able to have a healthy confrontational conversation at one time or another. Emphasis on the word healthy. Okay. Sometimes it's a matter of simply saying no so we don't get overextended. At other times, we may need to confront a difficult person in a relationship, a controller, a manipulator, an irresponsible person, perhaps even someone who is abusive. There's a time to confront. There is absolutely a time to confront, and that's part of the wisdom of knowing when should I ignore and when should I confront God, God will make that clear to you through His word, through prayer, and through the voices of other godly people in your life. And there is a time when a one-on-one confrontation doesn't work, and therefore we've got to turn them over to the authorities, to bring them to the God-ordained authorities. OK? Again, Matthew 18, look at this just within the church now, Matthew 18. 17 if he refuses to listen to them meaning the two or three other people you take with him Tell it to the church meaning you take it to the leaders of your church You take it to your elders you take it to your pastors Take it to the the level of god-ordained leadership And if he refuses to listen even to the church let him be to you as a gentile and a tax collector Treat him as though he's not even saved Because he's certainly not acting like a saved born-again person right now What happens beyond that? Let, let's, let's say someone is, is so defaming and so slandering who you are that it is killing your business, it is killing your livelihood, it is, it is, it is inflicting tangible damage on, on you and your family. Do you have any recourse? Yes. We're American citizens. God has given us certain rights, inalienable rights, in our nation, and there are times when we will elevate it to that level. Paul did that. Again, look at Acts Chapter 20, 21, the Jews from Asia seeing him in the temple, meaning Paul, stirred up the whole crowd and, and laid hands on him, crying, this is the man who is teaching everyone everywhere against the people and the law in this place. Moreover, he even brought Greeks into the temple and he has defiled this holy place. Away with such a fellow from the earth, for he should not be allowed to live. Paul's facing some serious, serious opposition here. And as they were shouting and throwing off their cloaks and flinging dust into the air, the tribune ordered that Paul should be examined by flogging meaning they're going to beat the stuffing out of him. But when they had stretched him out for the whips, Paul said to the centurion who was standing by, is it lawful for you to flog a man who is a Roman citizen and uncondemned? When the centurion heard this, he went to the tribune and said to him, what are you about to do? For this man is a Roman citizen. Sometimes the fact that we are citizens in a a nation that's governed by laws means that there's a recourse that we have. There's a recourse that we have. You say, Pastor Phil, are you talking about like filing lawsuits against people? Because I thought the Bible said we're not allowed to sue anybody. Isn't that what the Bible, especially another Christian? Excellent question. There is a recourse that we have, even as Christians, outside of the church. Now, let me give you that scripture, because we're going to close this message down in just a minute, but I want to just be very clear about this. 1 Corinthians 6, 1 through 5. This is the passage that people say says we should never sue another person, certainly another Christian. I'm talking, again, if there's a, just an amazing amount of verbal defamation, do you have legal recourse, biblically speaking? When one of you has a grievance against another, does he dare go to the law before the unrighteous instead of the saints? Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world is to be judged by you, are you incompetent to try trivial cases? If you have such cases, why do you lay them before those who have no standing in the church? I say this to your shame. Can it be that there is no one among you wise enough to settle dispute between the brothers? So this passage is talking about disputes between two people in the same church. There was only one church in Corinth, one church with one set of elders. It wasn't like they had 50 different churches, the Presbyterians and the Catholics and the Lutherans and the Baptists and the Crossgates. They just had one church. And Paul basically says, look, if there is a dispute between you and another person in your church... Don't take it to the county judge. You take it to the elders of your church. What does that mean for us? Let's say there was two people, two members of Crossgate Church, and you live next to each other out on Spring Street or wherever, and you got a little bit of property, and there's a dispute between you and the other person about where the property line lies, and you simply cannot come to a resolution. You're both members of Crossgate Church. What should you do? Well, the last thing you need to do is file a lawsuit with the county and go lawyer up and, and go that route. What the Bible says is that you, as a member of this church, should bring that issue to the elders of this church. And the elders of this church will hear this side of the case and this side of the case and make a ruling. That's exactly what the Bible says because we're a part of one church. You say, but what if, what if this person is a member of another church out in town? First Baptist, Hot Springs Baptist, or whatever. Well, again, biblically, the best thing to do, if at all possible, is to get the pastor of Crossgate, the pastor of that church together, again... Mutual church leaders hear the case and the church leaders will make a decision. Okay, Ideally, that's what would happen. But I will tell you this, the idea of saying, well, you can never file a lawsuit, therefore you have no recourse, I don't believe that's in the Bible. I'm talking about with just people out there who are defaming you, who are defrauding you, who are verbally slandering you. That's what we're talking about here. That's a biblical response. Now let me say this as we close out this message. We're talking about how we respond, right? The Bible says that the harsh words are like a sword thrust, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. It takes a lot of power to humbly and graciously say, I'm sorry, doesn't it? It takes a lot of power to, to ignore what someone is saying about you doesn't it 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 takes a lot of power takes a lot of power to to graciously but biblically confront someone else doesn't it do you have that kind of power do i have that kind of power isn't that the whole point? We, we need God's grace, we need God's mercy, God's presence, God's spirit in our lives, otherwise there's no way that we could possibly respond. A gentle answer turns away wrath, good night. How, how in the world are you possibly ever going to do that without the filling of the Holy Spirit? But the fact that, that what we're talking about this morning requires the power of Almighty God is how God is setting you up to display the power, the absolute power of God. Listen listen to this. This is the last scripture I'm going to share with you. Matthew 5, Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. I say, God, help me to respond well when people speak ill of me that I might bring you glory. That I might bring you glory, that others would see and say, Wow, that person just totally ripped you down and tore you up, and yet you responded like you did. That's power. That's power. Let's pray. We invite you to join us in person at our campus located at 3100 East Grand Avenue in Hot Springs, Arkansas. If we can pray for you, send us an email at prayer@crossgate.org. Thanks again for listening to our audio podcast.